KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Jim Melwort. Since the early days of the pandemic, one of the keys officials have said to try to contain the virus has been what's called contact tracing. If you test positive, someone calls you and asks you who you've been around, then they can reach out to those people and ask them to quarantine and get tested. But what about the people you might have been around who you don't know, like maybe waiting in line for coffee or at the grocery store? Well, Pennsylvania and many other states, but Pennsylvania in particular, made an app. It's been out for six months. If you didn't know, you're not alone. About 93% of the people in Pennsylvania haven't downloaded it. Not hard to guess why some people don't want it, but 7% seemed low. I wanted to find out why more people weren't on board and what could be done to get more people to start using it. So I reached out to Dr. Jason Thatcher. He's the Milton Stauffer Professor at Temple University. We had a great conversation about privacy, big tech, uh, all those kind of concerns. Uh, And he's kind of dealt with this before, so he's a great person to talk to about it. And I'm just curious, kind of looking at the the app there was there was a lot of i don't know if excitement's the right word but they really promoted this when they first came out with it and then it just kind of you know you didn't hear much about it and and here we are several months out when you look at 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 some of their responses and you look at the app and 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 any of these the the health tracking apps um Mm -hmm. just start off kind of what are your what are your general thoughts just open very generally I looked at a little bit of the conversation that's going on around the dis- the distribution of the app and the design of the apps. And it sounds like they, they did a lot of things right. Okay. The first thing they did right is they forecast how many people they needed to use it for it to have it make an impact, right? And, and they ran the appropriate models and whatnot. And that all makes sense to me. Okay. Um, that's good science. That's what we would do in an, in an academic journal paper, right? We'd go, okay, if we hit this number, we're going to get this this number of reduced infections and, and all is all of a sunny in Philadelphia. It looks to me, they, they also, when they weren't getting the numbers they needed, they expanded the audience, right? So so they when, when they went 18 up, which was appropriate because you don't want kids downloading apps that, that track their personal data without the parents knowing. And then they extended that with parental consent. That struck me as a really good move too. So I'll give them a lot of points for, for doing the upfront work to know what they needed to reach. I'd give them a lot of points for doing the deployment right in terms of privacy disclosures. But there are some questions I can't figure out. Um, one thing that I can't figure out in, in their description is we know that the people's motivation to share and disclose personal data or respond to healthcare, healthcare type questions. There's this theory called protective motivation theory where I respond to threats to me. And and in looking at the calls for action for people to do this, it's about people responding to threats to society. And we know that doesn't work very well. So so when you look at smoking, for example, the the research on protective motivation says, you know, worrying about secondhand smoke around the people around you doesn't really drive smokers to quit. Smokers quit smoking because they they don't want cancer. They see graphic pictures, they see images, they see a number of other things, or it just gets too expensive. And, and which kind of taps into two different motivational structures. One is cost, the other is fear, right? And maybe because the pandemic is already pretty, pretty fraught with fear and anxiety, they didn't tap into those motivational structures. They didn't give us a good financial reason to, to download the app and share our information. And they also didn't scare us into it in terms of directly, it'll protect you better. They said it'll protect society better. And that makes it hard to get people to download stuff where they're disclosing their personal information, right? So I'm not saying they did it wrong. I'm saying there are things they, they could have thought about or projected and built into the campaign to get it adopted more widely. 
there's a lot in there to unpack. That's really interesting stuff. I, I, I guess, you know, now, now that we're here and now that they're here, yeah. having seen this and, and with everything that you just said, what would your advice be to them to kind of try to, to kickstart or try to jumpstart it, I guess, from here? Well, they're at 7%. If I, I remember the numbers read, they need 15%, right? To, to put an appreciable dent in tracking. So the, so the first thing is they've got to personalize it to local communities, make it really relevant to people. So, so my community is at 12%. One more person downloads it, gets us up that much more, makes us all safer so they can start feeling the personal relevance of it because it's my town, right? And because they're tracking, if, if I understand properly, they're tracking not only who I talk to, they're tracking where I am through that app. Because they're tracking that, that should be something they should, at this point, they've got enough data. They're able to tell people in communities, this is how your community is doing. So target the message, right? And that should make it more personally relevant because if I know everybody around me is doing it, more people are likely to, to take, take up that, take up the, take up the application. The second thing, and I, I'm not sure because I haven't seen polling data on this or survey data on this. I'm pretty curious as to whether people, how people trust the government in Philadelphia, and in, and in the surrounding areas and across the state. And as a newcomer to the area, I hear a lot of rhetoric around some people love certain politicians, other people hate other politicians. And there's, there's a lot of rancor right now, post-presidential post, post post election. They've, they've got to do something to get people to trust them, to trust the state that they'll use the data appropriately, right? Like, like when you think about tracking your, your day-to-day movements and who you talk to, I don't think anyone's very comfortable with sharing that kind of information, right? So absent that motivation, uh, a financial motivation, like, uh, you know, if you do this, we'll give you a $2 break on your taxes, income taxes, you know, something small, which the state could do. It's not easy, but they could do, right? Or which, which would nudge people to do it or something that makes it personally relevant in their community. Absent that trust building, it's, pretty, it's a pretty tough reach. Honestly, so they've, they've got to convince people that that data is not going to be used in a way that's going to get them in trouble or, or in some kind of malevolent way or potentially malevolent way. Like, like think through think through in your head this scenario of, OK, I've, I've got this app arm that's tracking where I am. It's tracking who I'm near and other people on proximity to me uh, that have the app, too. Right. There's a crime committed nearby. A police officer on the back end, despite all the different assurances we have, this will never happen. A police officer on the back end figures this out and goes, hey, can I get this data? And someone just shares it. Suddenly, you're getting calls about things that happened that you were proximal to or you were near. I can see that logic playing out in people's heads, right? And so so making sure that people understand how the information is just going to be used for healthcare and for contact tracing for health reasons tied to COVID really needs, really needs to be underscored and pushed. Is there a way to, to guarantee that? And, and not only to guarantee it, but also to, I mean, that's, (laughs) this is like the million dollar question, right? Yeah. 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 If if you and I could figure this out, we wouldn't be probably sitting here. We'd, (laughs) you know, but is there a way to guarantee uh, when you're putting together, you know, an app or, 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 uh, your, your privacy statement or or the declaration of how you're using data to guarantee that 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 stuff isn't saved or isn't tracked or or is that just what it is? Well, well you want to save it, and you want to track it, but you know all of this data should probably fall under HIPAA, which is which which preserves the privacy of you and your relationship between a doctor, right? 
And, and if they can assure people that those standards are being met and enough people are aware of what HIPAA is, because every time we go to the doctor, we sign our, sign off, right? I mean, it's it's something that 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 uh, people are aware of their healthcare data. If they can project that, and if the goal is fifteen percent, that becomes much more achievable because they're tapping into a familiar source of trust. The other thing that they could possibly do, and I haven't gone to the website and, and, and done a deep dive for this. Okay, it would be really interesting to see what they're telling people about where the data is stored, the the standards for for who has access to it, so people have some transparency. Or an access, and and which public agencies or actors are able to use that data? Because I mean, COVID nineteen is a little different, right? This is an emergency. It is a pandemic. It is a national and it is a state and local crisis. So there might be times where they need the help of someone from law enforcement to to go and track people down and and do contact tracing, or having someone else help with the contract tracing, right? But making it clear at what point you would see a referral to somebody outside of the medical group dealing with this and making that transparent to people would go a long ways to building trust. I'm thinking about earlier what you said about the political rancor and, you know, I guess it's a little too nebulous to even try to get into, could you even build that? There's, there's a segment of the population that I think is, is going to be resistant, uh, significantly resistant. So I don't even know that it's worth necessarily getting into that um, right now. I mean, here's the thing, you know, and, and, and maybe I'm a little bit naive and I've I, 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 in a past life as an undergraduate student, I studied politics. I still think there are good people on both sides of the aisle. Right. And, and this doesn't need 100 percent to work. This this needs bipartisan support. This needs Republicans and Democrats and, and whatever whatever other parties and voices have influence in communities to come out and say this is a really good thing. Okay, this is something that benefits everyone. This isn't a partisan issue. This isn't whether whether you believe in in, in the, the 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 quality of the vaccine or not. Whether you support Trump or Biden, pick pick your political figure that we find divisive, uh, or, or pick your popular figure we find divisive. You could blame the Kardashians, as far as I'm concerned. But if everyone would just come together and simply say this is a good idea. Okay, from from all the different political variations and different groups in society, you'd see a lot better uptake. Good point. Good point. And fair point. I, I'm, you know, focused on a, a vocal. But well, well, we listen. Look, we listen to people who scream the most. Right. I mean, and we, we tend to give our attention to those people. But when you're working with big populations and you don't need a high base rate I mean, 15 percent, it's a lot of people, but it's not a big chunk of, of Pennsylvania. Right. There are surely 15 percent of the state is reasonable. Surely 15 percent of the state can trust trust health authorities to do what's right. And surely if both Republicans and Democrats come together and, and they, they show leadership and they show bipartisan leadership, it would it would it would have a dent on those of us who are reasonable. In your experience, and we just we just talked a lot about how this can be protected, especially with things like HIPAA. Well, two questions, I, I guess. First. I've seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, like like Facebook Messenger to me was a great example where it asked for permission to to you know access your contacts and things like that, and and it felt to me, and maybe I'm wrong, it felt to me that that was taken in a different way. Uh, so it seems to me like sometimes people look for or read too much into some of these things, if you know what I mean, if if that makes sense, where um, you know their their concerns kind of get maybe concerns that that shouldn't have been a major issue become a major issue because people uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. Yeah. We're all nervous about privacy right now. 
right? Everyone is. I mean, if if you if you look at uh, look at look at what happened on November six and and the dissemination of I hey I was there posts that that led to people saying hey I'm in jail, right? It's a little bit nerve wracking right now to share personal information. I, I'm not quite sure what you're getting at with Facebook Messenger, other than what the, what they did well was they just they, they asked for permission. They let you make the decisions about what data they had access to. I think that's what, is that what you're after? Yeah, it was a few years ago, and there are still people who yeah. there are still people who refuse to to download Facebook Messenger because uh, I think it was a, a TV station, you know, in, in a smaller TV station in a smaller market. I don't remember exactly where. Uh, talking about the, you know, they were asking for access to your contacts, and you should say no. And and it's it's one of those things that just took off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So 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 there, what you're talking about is is people's people's fear that 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 big corporations are going to engage. In, in data capitalism of some kind, right? Where they're going to grab your data, they're going to track who you talk to, what you talk to, and they're going to they're going to violate your privacy through building some kind of profile based on, on on what you're talking about, who you're talking about, and where you're talking about it, right? And 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 that's a fair concern, right? And and that's why we need opt-in models around data. Now, the thing about this COVID nineteen app, though, right? It is an opt-in model. I do download, I do give permission, I do voluntarily upload whether I have COVID or not to, to, to trigger that contact tracing process, right? So it's a little bit different than Facebook Messenger and the Facebook Messenger is just like a, a blanket. You know, here's my data, or at least at the time, the perception was I just gave away my whole life to Facebook. This, this, this right? And this isn't quite the same deal. This is saying... I'm downloading this app. It's going to monitor where I am, who I'm near. And if I report or if somebody else reports and I come up in the data set, I may be contacted. And and that's a lot less evil, right? Not that Facebook is evil. Let me hedge my bets here. Um, Facebook is uh, what you want to make of it. But but this is this is not an evil app like this is but this does speak to, I think, our, our trust in the people managing the data and the transparency of it. Right. And, and that's that's you answered well a question that I asked poorly. So I appreciate you going going where I was trying sure, to get, sure. but I wasn't getting there. A good uh, question, actually. It's what I hadn't thought about. And, and and with that in mind, what what's your message? You know, we, we talked about what what uh, PA could do to make this better. What's your message to people who might be on the fence saying, mm, I don't know, that's kind of scary. And, and uh, you know, feel free to repeat yourself. A lot of what you said would probably apply. Sure. Um, but, you know, somebody's on the fence saying, I, I don't want them knowing who I'm around, that kind of stuff. You know, the first thing I would do is I'd take some time to actually look at the app and look at the rules that are out there for how they access the data and they use the data. Most, if not all medical professionals follow the rules. Okay. They're, they're really conscious, conscientious about it. They're really aware of the people they serve and, the, and their obligation to serve. So look at those rules and get an understanding of it before you say yes or no. The second thing to think about is think about who you're around. If you have people in your family that are that are high risk, or if you have kids around who are out and about and playing with a lot of other kids, it's probably a pretty, and, and you're doing drop-offs and pickups, it's probably a pretty good idea to, to, to download the app. Okay. Because it because it protects not only you, but it protects or helps protect you, but it helps protect your family and your friends. Right. So so weigh that into your decision making calculus. Um, the, thir- the third thing I would tell you to think about is, you know, we're hearing a lot, maybe too much, that this isn't over. And, and there's truth to that. But there's not a lot of ways that we individually can help in this. And this is one way that's really easy for all of us to speed up 
a return to going to live concerts, uh, eating inside, uh, watching movies in a theater. I missed that, right? But this is like a really small thing that each of us can do to help help us all move towards that goal. So when you're thinking about how does this benefit me, I'm like sitting here thinking like, I can't wait for the next Marvel movie on a big screen, right? You know, I, I can't wait to see a, to see another Star Wars movie or a horror flick, you name it. I mean, the last movie I saw in, in person was, was Invisible Man. Okay, if you watch Invisible Man, that wasn't the greatest experience necessarily, right? So I'd like to have, a, have fresh memories. And so it's really a small thing, right? So, so get informed, think about who it benefits, and kind of tailor it and think about how does this benefit me by helping everyone else? And I think at that point, it becomes a pretty simple decision. I don't mean to, to sound alarmist here, but I've sat in a lot of, of criminal trials mm-hmm. where people are tracked. They're, they're, they're tracked by cell towers. Yeah, so, sure. you know, this obviously would be a little more specific, but <laughs> it's kind of a, a silly question, but, or a silly way to phrase this, but that mm-hmm. info is already out there. Like if people want to get that, they can, they can find your location based on your phone. So not doing yeah. this seems in some ways counterproductive. So, I, I, well, that's a great point, and I think you're right. Um, I mean, but the, there's a difference here between cell tower data being used and your, and your geospatial data being used to track your behavior to track crimes versus you choosing to give permission to participate, right? Like, like emotionally and psychologically, I think it's really good for all of us to chip in versus worrying about being monitored. So, yeah, the data is out there. They, they, they probably could chase us through that, through, through tracking cell phone data, but why make it hard, right? Because, because the way this virus is moving so quickly, it, this, this, the speed of transmission, a single day of having to go through the court process to get access to that data, and it takes a while to get that data. It's not a quick thing, is my understanding. A simple day can save a lot of lives, or at least save a lot of people from feeling not very well for a while. That's great. We covered so much there. A lot of really good info. Anything I didn't ask that I should have or anything uh, you'd like to emphasize? You know, I, I think we're, we're kind of at a point where we all need to pull together. You know, I think the arguments over where and why this came from don't, are, are kind of a moot point at this right now, right? The, the virus is here. There are new variants spreading. And we all have an opportunity to chip in through giving up a little bit of personal privacy. And the nice part about this, when you think about this and when you think about our, our value systems, Americans, our government's not telling us we have to, they're giving us a choice. And I, and I think that's kind of cool, honestly. When I, when I, when I sit around and I, and I, and I talk to colleagues that, that operate in Asia and in Europe, they have a lot fewer choices than we do. So, so I, it sounds naive maybe and, and very ivory towerish, but I'm grateful that we've been asked, you know, and I hope most people will respond with a yes. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Jim Melwort. We'll have another episode out soon.